from the streets to becoming a leveled up king. Today we got Aaron Royball here on the podcast. This is going to be a good one. He dives deep into how he was able to flip the script from going down a destructive path to now where he's teaching other people not to be going down that path and what happens and leads to those things. So he's definitely outreaching to his community. We also touch up on you know becoming a great parent, things we should be able to do, improving from our past, not repeating history. So I really loved how Aaron was able to tell us that life changes if you put in the work. Have you ever wondered why winners keep on winning? When you look at those people and all they seem to do is win, when they find ways to win when things get tough, that's the winner's paradigm. The winner's paradigm is simply recalibrating your mindset so you can achieve everything you dream of, your definition of success in life. On this podcast, we interview those winners. We ask them how they got their wins. We talk about trauma. We talk about adversity. We talk about work ethic. We talk about lessons learned. So you guys can have those tools to be able to recalibrate your mindset. My name is Alundis Havens. I am your podcast host and the founder of The Winner's Paradigm. I'm going to be taking this to new heights so I can be able to show you guys exactly what it looks like when you detail your journey and be able to get those answers from people who have been there and done that. This is The Winner's Paradigm. Let's get this. Yo, it's your boy Lundis here, the Winner's Paradigm Podcast. Today we got a good one. This gentleman we're talking to is amazing. Um, we actually got introduced in the Podcast Power Chain Bootcamp call. So we were talking in there, you know, when he was telling his personal story and from there, you know, I related to it. But in this case, you know, is what he did and the way he was able to change his life, you know, re- recalibrate his mindset was spectacular. So I wanted to bring him on. Um, Aaron, would you mind giving us a little bit of intro of who you are, brother? What's up, brother? It's good to be with you. Uh, my name is Aaron Royball. I'm from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I've been a coach and a mentor for 20 years. I've been working with youth. Um, I'm with the Family Training, uh, Family Leadership Training Institute as a family leader. And uh, what I do is I go around and I help families uh, learn to communicate better and help to live healthier lives. And we go into communities and help communities rebuild and uh, moving towards a more progressive uh, interest for the whole family uh, where everybody has some sweat equity in the community. So it's good to be with you, brother. That is awesome, brother. And what kind of made you want to do that? Because one, that's that's huge. Um, yeah, uh, you know what? My, my beginnings, uh, I found out I was adopted when I was about 13 years old. And it really soured me on the family, on trust and stuff like that. So I started running the streets like a typical kid, you know. And I got involved in some pretty bad stuff with, you know, gangs and drugs. And uh, that was in the early 90s. Denver wasn't really that type of place. And just on a dime, it turned to a lot of shootings and stuff like that. So I felt like I had to get out of here, you know, and I went to the Navy. I joined the Navy at 18 and uh, just, you know, did my four years there, kind of, you know, like uh, learned how to exist amongst other men. I didn't have that many male figures in my life, which is a big reason why, because when I became a dad later on at 24, I was coaching a lot of my son's teams and I was just around a lot of boys who didn't have dads. And it just got me real close up uh, personal in society, like, you know, where men are not being spoken up for in the right ways and we're not learning the right things. And so it's just been a lifelong process for me, you know, to uh, to try to try to put something back in the community for all the wrong that I did, but also to take my experience and try to shine some light on, on the people behind me. So maybe they can learn from the struggles that I, that I went through. I I love exactly how you said that. And I can exactly, um, 
or excuse me, directly relate to that. Because in my case, you know, as I had a stepdad and then I had my dad, you know, and they both had their flaws. One of them was hustling, making money. Um, and then the other one, you know, was just uh, he was in the army, started working um, these jobs, you know, and he was just real um, conservative in his mindset, you know, the way he would act, you know, and it was kind of funny is he would like try to trigger me because he, he had a problem with anything I did. Right. So if I express myself, try to wear a hat like a hat like this, you know, flat bill, he's like, oh, no, that's a no in my house. That's ghetto. You know, so from there it was, you know, sheltering myself one. And then when I get out the door, completely other person, um, which got me into a lot of problems. And then two, you know, going to my dad's house where he just didn't give a shit. He was like, do whatever you want. But, you know, there was that line where it was if I did, you know, do something extra, try to act crazy. That's where you would check me, you know, and then we'd start getting in problems. Um, but I really love, you know, how you said that. And um, for for you, what would you say, you know, was the the turning point for you that made it click in your head? You were like, I need to be able to, f- to fix my life, get it back together and just be able to help myself. Well, uh, when I got married, you know, I was I was when I came back from the military, I didn't come back and knock it out the park. I fell back into my old ways. And uh, I found out that I was going to be a dad at 24. And at that time, I was smoking crack. I was doing a lot of coke, just drinking a lot, just not living a real good life. And uh, just coincidentally, from with talking with someone, I happened to I didn't know anything about my real dad. I just happened to mention his name. They're from a small town here in Colorado, and these people were from there. And she had told me that my dad had recently just gotten out of prison. And so she arranged for us to meet, and it was about a month before my first son was born. And uh, I remember even going into the motel that night. I had a little magazine full of Coke, and I did it, and it was raining that night. And I went and knocked on this motel door, and the person that opened up that door on the other side looked just like me. Just, you know, like everything that I was on my way to be in, it was it was surreal, that experience. It was like, I feel like it was divine at that time. Like God was showing me, like, if this is the path you want to go down, this is what you're going to get out of that. You know, so uh, literally like that night I went home and I did some real hard thinking. I remember I threw all my furniture in the trash and I just wanted to get out of the environment that I was in because that's what was keeping me in the situation I was in. It was just the group that I was in and then the environment, you know. You know, when you're around an environment where there's nothing but wrong going on, it's kind of hard not to get infected by it. And so fast forward to the night that my son was born, they left me alone with him in the in the room. And, you know, they were weighing him and stuff like that. And I was just holding his little hand. And some just came to me in that, like, I got to be a better man for this. You know, I don't want him to see me like I saw my real dad. And I had a real deep, meaningful conversation with him as a baby just about, the kind of dad I wanted to be and, you know, what I wanted to come out of our family and stuff like that, you know, and, and what's even more beautiful is I found out later down the line that there was a man in my family way, way back in my actual family that we went blind and he had blessed all the generations of his, of his family. And so he used to talk about a prayer bowl being in heaven where every time you pray, all your prayers go in this bowl and they live there forever. So when I had my son, it was like, I still have my adopted name which is Roy Ball, right? That's, that's not my, I'm an Aragon is my, my real dad's last name. And, uh, it just gave me like a fresh start with my sons. You know what I mean? And and I I thought I had it all figured out as a dad. I was just going to be the best dad. I took parenting classes. I did, I did the Lamaze classes with my baby's mom. You know, we ended up getting married and staying married for 16 years. And I had two other sons and it was, 
it was all like a lot of beautiful beauty, you know what I mean? But being that's a dad, awesome. if you don't have a dad is really, really hard, you know? So that's, that's, that's what really helped me, you know, made me decide that I had to turn my life around. That That is awesome. And it's deep, brother. And I love how, how real you made it, you know, and you said exactly what's going on. And I can feel you on that. Um, because like I said, you know, I has, I had my actual dad who was pushing me in sports, you know, and it was just different type of being. And then I had my stepdad to where it was, you know, I could talk to him about certain things, but from there, um, there was still that gray area where it was like, do not cross. There's going to be problems, you know? So unfortunately some shit popped off. Um, and it actually in one night, you know, changed my life. Um, he ended up trying to do something stupid and, um, Basically, you know, cops come over, arrest them. And then from there, you know, SWAT team came through the house, woke up my brother and sister. So that's one of those things that, you know, used to play in my mind so many times was like, yeah, I can't forgive him from that. You know, so from there, that shit was tough because I felt like I lost the dad. Um, And it wasn't necessarily, you know, the aspect of what, but I was just thinking like this man was there, you know, help me. We have not seen eye to eye on most things, you know, um, he had his particular way. He liked to say racist shit. And it was, you know, for him, he thought it was funny. But to me, I was like, yeah, that's not it, brother. Um, but it was just kind of tough after that, you know, where it was reassessing, you know, still talking about real dad, but having these problems with him, you know, talking to him. Um, for example, my 21st birthday, he was explaining to me, you know, how tough his childhood was. And he used to always talk about it. You know, when my cousins talk about him, they fucking glorify him. They're like, your dad's this, you know, he's the greatest ever before you. Um, he didn't know what love was. And like, they would say these things and I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, I can't really feel it because of his actions, you know? So when mm-hmm. I turned 21, he started telling me how they grew up. And it was funny with what he was saying. Cause a lot of the things that happened to him happened to me by his action and kind of the way he would act with me was he thought that was okay. Um, so from there, you know, he was talking about just how it was being tough and he was breaking down in this conversation to me. And I was like, okay, so what are we going to do, you know, to help you out, to get through that? And he was just like, I don't need to fix anything. I'm fine. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm saying. Like, what do you got to do to make sure that this doesn't happen for your kids? Right. Because obviously I went through a lot of it. So I got where he was coming from, um, but he he didn't want to help himself. So from there, we actually got in a giant fight because he was like, oh, you don't understand how hard it was. And then he goes, you had an easy life. If I were you, I wouldn't know anything. And I'm like, bro, you went intentionally out of your way to make my life hard. Um, so from there, you know, we stopped talking and that was where, you know, I was left by myself. And um, my problem was kind of like my dad's problem is I couldn't deal with being alone. I felt like when I'm alone, that's when everything hits me. I start thinking, you know, I love going to the gym. That's my only way sometimes to decompress. Bad thing is, you know, is that's when those thoughts are coming at nighttime. You know, you start reflecting and you're like, fuck, all this shit happened. What do I do to get better? Right. So in that case, um, it was tough about two years while I was in the Marine Corps when I first got in. And then um, all the way until those last two years, excuse me, I started talking to my grandfather. So my grandfather is my dad's stepdad. And he was kind of the one who always molded me. When my dad would get in trouble when I was younger, he would fucking come down, move in. You know, my dad would be doing dumb shit, throwing parties at the house, um, you know, having doing drugs with his friends thinking Coke was the best thing ever, you know, and it was funny is like, we would have the conversations, but I also seen it in front of me. Um, so it was kind of, it, it was funny. Cause I also have a brother I haven't talked to in, in seven years. And actually over the weekend, I started talking to him. So I messaged his mom. And then once I messaged her, I started remembering, you know, more shit of what happened back then. And kind of, you know, she was, she was awesome. Cause she always stuck up for me. And then my dad would come, you know, beat my ass later on and Hey, what are you talking about? But around that time, um, 
my grandfather moved back in and he would always be there, you know, be like, Hey, mijo, what do you need? And start helping me, you know? And it was tough for me because when I was four, I found out he wasn't my real grandfather because he's Italian. He's so he's super white. Right. And I was like looking at him and I was just like, we have different last names. Like you're not me, you know? And then him and my grandma were talking and they were like, a bo- any, uh, excuse me, any man can have a child, but a real man will raise the child. And from there, you know, he started teaching me these things. So when I was on deployment, he was, you know, that one sending me uh, updates on the Dodgers and I didn't even watch the World Series. You know, he's like, give me updates. And I'm like, well, if they win, I'm going to get a Dodgers tattoo. So I still owe him that. Um, but it was all these little things, you know, that last year of his life, that was where we got close. And one of the things with him, like I said, he is a little bit hippie, but he was always, you know, preaching peace and love. And I would get upset because I would be like, this is what my dad did to me. And I'm just pissed, you know. And he's like, again, that is your dad. Like, calm down. You know, people have their reasons. He'll understand it eventually. Be the best you can be. And I would get pissed off. And I'm like, you're not helping the situation. Like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand how it's, we, we talk about a problem. And then two days later, this shit happens again. Like, you don't understand how he treats me. And again, you know, he always played that role. Um, but with it, you know, I learned so much from him. So we ended up passing. And then again, you know, I went through that phase where it was like, I don't know, you know, who am I going to talk to? I have my father-in-law who's a good figure, um, but it came to me, you know, a reoccurring thing that I didn't know how to be alone my whole life. You know, I had to get that plug in the middle. Um, And what was funny was that plug was one of my wrestling coaches at the time. So that actually ended up causing a bigger problem to where I lost a relationship with him later on. And um, Mm -hmm. then again, you know, I was still with that reoccurring fact. And this all hit me like last year when I was just thinking and I was just super depressed in the dumps, you know, because I was just like, I need my grandpa. Like, that's the only person I can be able to call who's going to understand me. Just be like, hey, calm down, you know, and then we can walk you through those problems. So when you're saying that, you know, growing up with without a dad um, and from there helping other dads, it's awesome because I can feel that on a personal level as well, brother, where I've dealt with those struggles and know how it is, you know, when you need to talk. But again, it's be the tough guy. And from there, you know, that's where it fucks up your mindset because you get so conditioned to, oh, he disrespected me. I got to do something that you forget about those little things, you know, and about your actual character. Um, so, so I would say, you know, through all that, brother, what kind of skills would you say, you know, helped you and what are the things that kind of made you grow so you can be able to help other people now? Well, first, let me say, I'm sorry to hear about your grandfather. He sounds like he was a very noble and uh, intelligent man. Thank you, brother. I'm glad you got to bond with him and get to learn about him and learn. Because a lot of the things that he said are are the right way. Sometimes they don't compute. And that's just a great segue into this next conversation is that there's so many levels to being a man. Like, I'm sure you felt really conflicted having men with so many different viewpoints in your life where you're trying to figure it out by yourself, you know. Yeah. And one thing I figured out from working with so many families, we either have our parents on a pedestal or in the gutter, you know, and and they're just human beings. Everybody's just all those men you just mentioned, your stepdad, your wrestling coach, you know, uh, they're all just men. And and we've had such a flawed perspective on masculinity nowadays. You know, it's uh, it's been a lot of real machismo. What I, I call it bullshit is really, you know, like that word that we hear all the time. I'm fine. I'm OK. I'm good. You know, we don't talk about feelings. I just bottle it up and, you know, you see what comes from that. You numb it somehow, whether you do it with work or alcohol or drugs or women or, you know, anything can become an addiction. But what I learned through my own life is like when I numbed out from the pain, I also numbed out from the good stuff, too. 
And I missed out on a lot of life because I just wanted to run from my pain. And, you know, I had these different paradigms in my life about what being a man meant. It meant that you suck it up and be a man, you know, that you didn't talk about your feelings. Real men don't cry. Well, why did God give me tear ducts then? Why do I keep crying if men don't cry? That must mean that I'm not a man. And then from there, it leads into other stuff. I don't have what it takes. You know, uh, you know, so-and-so, my mom gave me away because I was unlovable. And I'm, I'm, I'm real intentional about this, is, is about language right now and about giving people advice with these. Like what your grandpa said was right about peace and love. But it's got you can't just throw it on someone and expect a young man to just run with that. It doesn't make sense. Number one, I would say you always have to lead by example. You know what I mean? I did that for a long time with my kids where I would say the opposite of what I was actually doing. And when I actually started doing it, I didn't even have to talk about it, you know. So it, like I said, being a comprehensive man and understanding that it's mental, it's physical, it's spiritual, you know, it's it's sexual. It's, uh, you know, taking care of the relationships and repairing relationships that meant something to you. It's letting go of relationships that didn't mean anything, you know. Right. Um, you know, like I chased a lot of time chasing money and, and things like that. And I read this book called Man Search for Meaning. And it was by Viktor Frankl. He invented logotherapy, and it was about being in a concentration camp for the, during the Holocaust. And it really helped me understand, like, who are you when everything's stripped away from you? You know what I mean? When I don't have a gold chain or when I don't have that nice car or that house or whatever it is that I think validates me at the time, what is it that really makes me as a man? And the bottom line with being a man is not anything that you have or anything that you do. It's how you rebound from rock bottom, whatever your rock bottom is. Mine was obviously drugs, you know, recovering and stuff like that. But, you know, I had to spit my teeth out, you know, out on the mat and get back up. And that's the greatest thing that I could teach my kids. The legacy is, 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 is how you bounce back from it. Life happens and we go through life looking for comfort and happiness so much that we don't really pay attention to the journey. You like going to the gym because every time you leave that gym, you're putting that work in on yourself. You know, and I know a lot of guys who do that just from a physical side and they're just, you know, they don't want to feel any feelings. They just want to be a man and they're ripped. They look great, but they're the most miserable fucking people you ever want to be around. You know what I mean? Because yep. that doesn't work. You know what I mean? It might work for your buddies and for yourself, but you'll make your family miserable with that, you know. And so, you know, there is a time like, you know, I talk about emotions a lot. You know, uh, emotions are like ping pong balls. You know, if you could push them down underwater but they're just going to come back up, you know, and as men, we don't do that enough. You know, we're, we're, we're too busy being quiet and not doing things and stuff like that. And women are really tackling life and men are just, you know, I see a lot of guys that I work with. They like to have their girlfriends take care of them. You know, there's guys that just have bad records and they can't get on their feet and stuff like that. But everything in life is just a one day at a time thing. I'm, I'm willing to reverse, reverse engineering things. You're not going to go from 10 to one. You've got to go backwards, nine, eight, seven. And, and so it, it really takes like taking a look at your life and where are you winning and where where do you need to improve? And that's just a you and you thing, man in the mirror thing. You know, another man can't help you do that. Your wife can't help you do it. Your kids are definitely an amazing motivation. And congratulations on your new baby. Thank you, brother. And uh, like I but like, you know, uh, just like I'm saying, the, the, the things that really helped me were just to really be, take extreme ownership and just look at myself in the mirror and say, you're a fat ass because you put yourself there. You know, 
you don't want to put in the work. You want to talk a big talk. And it feels horrible when you're coaching young people and you're not doing the things that you're telling them how to how to do it. You feel like a fraud, you know. And now that I have I've come full circle on this, I'm 49. I'm getting to be 50 in July. You know, my oldest son's 25, my middle one's 20, and then my youngest is 13. They're all young men, but it's it's the best feeling to look back and know that you set the tone for them. It doesn't take the lectures. It doesn't take the punishment anymore. They know who we are as Roy Balls, and they kind of just told the line and stuff like that. But the, the satisfaction that I see when I look in the mirror of knowing that I did the work helps me on those down days when I really need that confidence, when I have those negative messages to myself. I can look in the mirror and say, no, that's the old me. I'm a different person now. And that's what being a leveled up king means to me. That that is awesome, brother, and I and I love that. Um, what I what I'd say, you know, is most impressive. Like you said, is for you. You read that book, you know, and it made you really think about it. How how are you going to be end game, right? So I I read a similar book on that, and from there, at that time, um, I actually had that book in hand while I was flying to Carson City, where my grandpa died, right? So from there, I'm reading this book as you know. Before we get there, after, you know, and I start getting depressed, start thinking about all these things. And from there, you know, is that's where I had to really go to that bat with my ego. And I had to say from there, you know, what is something that I'm doing right now that's not working? You know, previously to that, when I was in the Marine Corps, drinking, you know, thinking girls, thinking partying. And it was just, that was it because I was so stressed out from work that I didn't know how to decompress. So I still went to the gym like always, but then had that dumb shit mentality when you're young that, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'll beat it. So then from there, it's like, oh, I'll go to the gym tomorrow. And then you go the next day, but you keep fucking drinking. And then from there, you know, you start gaining weight, stuff like that. So I was going through all that shit back then um, to where once my grandpa passed, that's where I, you know, took that time, dig deep. And I was just like, what's wrong with me? You know, why am I burning bridges? Why are not my relationships full? You know, why were me and my wife having problems? Why, you know, that I cut everybody off because I thought, you know, if somebody disrespects me, I'm done with them. And then from there, you know, when I really looked at it, yeah, there was a couple of times I was right. There was a couple of times I was wrong, but it took more for me, you know, to accept it and then move on and accept mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, well, I got to work on myself. So I appreciate you, you know, talking about that because that's one of those huge things, you know, and that's the winner's paradigm essentially um, is where you hit that bottom and then figure out there, you know, what's the top. So in your case, you know, your definition of success may be different than mine. You know, mine, I just want to be living on my own free will, have my multiple streams of income and then just helping people all day to where I, you know, I get, I go to work in a t-shirt and jeans. Um, and then from there, just be able to just kick it, you know, and be able to talk with people, let them know and help people through it. So I really appreciate you, you know, telling us a little bit today. Um, and like you said, you know, just reflecting. And I know damn well now that when I look at my daughter, you know, it's exactly that. And it's exactly looking at it and it's like, I want to do better and I'm going to do better. Right. So in this case, we've, we made those strides, but I can even already feel it to where it's like, I look at this little girl and I'm like, I don't want to miss anything. I want to be here that whole time. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, teaching her things that I didn't get taught and teach her things that, you know, I did get taught. So she knows exactly, you know, where she came from, um, and from there has all those experiences as well. So I appreciate you talking that brother. Um, but what would you say, you know, was one thing right now you would tell somebody if, you know, they're searching, they're looking for answers to change, but they don't know where to start. One of my favorite things to teach the kids that I work with, that I call it your ACE, 
uh, the ace in your pocket at all times. And this is really what I learned the most through life when I, I, I apply this formula whenever I'm having a problem. And it's about your attitude, your choices, and your effort. You know, uh, I always had a pretty good attitude. That's why I think I was blessed enough to not end up in prison or dead. You know what I mean? I I had some people in my in my life, like coaches, and I was able to go randomly uh, with the relative to visit someone in prison. And the things, they probably don't even realize the things that they said that actually kept me from going down paths that were just not for me. You know, so I, luckily I was able to keep myself out of prison and uh, I, I was sure asking to get shot a few, you know, a lot of my life there, but, you know, God, God bless that I didn't. And uh, so, like I say, it's, it's attitude, choices and effort. First, if you could check your attitude, because your attitude determines where you're going to be at in life. Nobody wants to deal with anybody with a bad attitude, but especially for people that are young and in your 20s, it's about your choices that you make. You want to get skill and experience, but you don't want to make those choices that are going to really hurt you. Like, um, you know, having a bunch of kids, especially if you're not even in a financial way to like, you're, you're, you're great in the way that you're doing it. You know what I, she's your motivation, but I know a lot of people that they're just not in a good place and they keep having kids that they can't take care of. And, Morally, that's wrong. You know, I can, I mean, not to judge those people. I know there's reasons, but the thing that I'm saying is that once you have a kid, that's a long-term consequence. It's not Absolutely. something that you can just put down. Even if you do put it down, it's going to have a, a a toll on your consciousness, you know, and then getting a criminal record. That's the other thing that I think if people could really avoid getting involved with the police, even if it's minor stuff, it shouldn't be normal to you, you know? So those choice, I, I always say like, first you make your choices, then your choices make you. And, and so I, I think twenties is a lot of learning, you know, and I, you want to learn the little lessons. You don't want to learn those big, harsh lessons. You want to learn about your maybe not taking care of your credit so good. So you can know why it's important. I always feel like right when you get out of high school, you should have to work a really shitty job just so you get the, the why, I agree. You, know why it's important. you know what I mean? Like if you get out and you have it too easy and stuff like that, you think life's a lot different. And I'm really a big respecter of like farmers Cowboys, people that they're, you know, they're, they're, their payback might not be monetary and stuff like that, but it's about the character of who you are as a person and, and what you do with your hand, you know? And I feel like if you serve people, like all that stuff comes to you anyway, so you don't have to chase it. You just do the right things and it comes in the right order. So I think choices to just get the, extract the growth from whatever you go through. If you're going through problems, don't dwell on it. Don't become a victim about it. Extract the growth and move on, you know? And uh, just making a choice to always level up, that's really what I always hit on. That's why I wanted to start Level Up Kings, because it's not about the the word success or failure. We have a lot of different words that we use that we think they mean things. But true success is just never giving up. It's just leveling, being the better man today than you were yesterday, and just keep doing that day by day. The only person you should want to be better than is who you were yesterday. And then your effort goes without saying. Everybody knows if you can do better, you know, and, and I have a lot better luck when I'm giving my best effort, you know, so that's, that's just one thing that I, I think it's easy to remember. And I think it's, it's something easy to check in with, you know, and, and another big thing that I learned dealing with a lot of uh, childhood trauma and post-traumatic stress, stress from all the violence that I had been through is really checking in with your breathing throughout the day and make sure that you're deep breathing and you're, you're present in the moment, really using your mind because people take for granted uh, how, how much they hold their breath when they get frustrated or they're not just breathing properly. And it, 
it doesn't help you get out of situations. It just makes you more frustrated. And I think that's where a lot of people, especially young men, blow their tops. You know, that you have an amygdala that when it goes through trauma, it's halfway popped. So that's why they call it blowing your top. When any little thing happens, you blow your top, right? And so that's what a lot of that is. Is the I really want to help kids, but schools use a lot of cliche sayings and stuff like that. And it really takes going in, getting to know these kids and getting to know their families. You know, like they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's the the first step that I take with everybody is I either I used to be you or I can relate to the struggles that you're going through. And I'm just here to support and help you. I'm not a know-it-all. I just learned a lot in my life. And if the pain that I went through can help you, that's a blessing for me. You know, they that was huge, brother, and I can definitely relate to you on that um, because I, I've always been like that. You know, whether back in the day um, when I was in high school, you know, I started hanging out with those bad people and they're over here slanging and then they're like, hey, go go get me some more people. You know, I'm talking to people, referring them. And then from there, you know, we got called into the office and from there, you know, it was back to the not saying anything and, you know, and going through it. And then luckily for me back then, you know, what clicked, one of my vice principals was like, hey, you know. You have good people around you. They may not make the best decisions, but you really got to reassess it, you know, and people do change. So be able to see it. So I seen one of my friends, you know, and he changed his whole life. And from there, you know, it was kind of that because um, at that time, too, with the way I kind of was, you know, when I was hanging out with bad people, I was able to see it firsthand of how bad I didn't want to go. Right. So I have one cousin um, that was it was by marriage, you know, but anyway, me and him grew up together since about kindergarten. Um, and this kid was always doing something crazy. You know, we're like 12 years old, smoking weed, um, gets caught by his parents, got the shit beat out of him, you know, went to go do it again, you know? So it only got worse and worse and worse. And then over time he thought he can surround himself with people that he didn't need to, you know, and, um, people that he just shouldn't have been around with, you know, and even his friends, one of them, got shot and killed, you know, and it was one of those things where like I seen it and it hurt me because I was like, I remember kicking it with this dude all the time, you know, and mm. we may have not been the coolest. I fought that kid a lot because of the shit he would say, <laughs> but um, it, it was just one of those things where it was like, you guys were trying, acting up, doing all this shit to where what my cousin didn't know is I had connections, you know, I knew everybody. So I had two of my boys, you know, since elementary school come up to me and they're like, Hey, your, your cousin's talking that shit, you know, you, do you know what he's backing now? And I was just like, I don't know what the fuck he's backing. Like, I don't bang. And he's like, hey, so he said, you're going to jump us. So what's what's good? You know, and they got closer. And I'm like, hey, whatever you got to do with him, fucking handle it, you know? And I'm like, because mm-hmm. that's his fucking beef. I didn't fucking say nothing. I don't wear no colors. One of my things is I used to never wear red for that reason was everybody's wearing red. And um, I ran into too many situations where like, hey, where are you from? And then all of a sudden you're like, fuck. Cause you know some shit's gonna pop off. So guilty by association, right? Ex- exactly. So so they tried to jump me there, and then that day they ended up jumping him after school, and he fucking came at me, and he's like, "What the fuck, bro? You just let me get jumped by your homies and didn't say shit." And I'm like, "Whatever beef you got going on, that's you. You know, you decided to go down that path." Um, and then he also fucking was like two. He was probably about two thirty back then, and then all of a sudden lost like a hundred pounds. You know, became a stick. Whoa! And I'm like. In a healthy way or no, no, that, that's the thing. So I was just like, how did you lose all this weight? And it comes out, he was doing meth and he was oh. like, oh no. And then this girl that hung out with my group, she's like, oh yeah, I fucking went to his house and me and him and his family and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
bro, you just fucking told me that. So he came back to me again and I'm like, bro, you got to fucking change. You know, unfortunately, um, that was one of those things that I was able to see. Right. So for me, I was like, I need to escape from all this, got to the Marine Corps. And then when I got to my schoolhouse, um, my mom calls me one day and she's like, hey, your cousin got stabbed nine times. And I'm like, fuck, she's like, he's in the hospital. He might die. And I was just like, I, I broke down that day, you know, it was because it was like, I seen all these things. Don't get me wrong. You know, I was still fighting, still into shit, but I was still smart about things as well, you know, and I didn't want to g- jump into that. You know, I was just like, I'm going to hold off and then seeing him do it, you know, go all the way through to where now we cleaned up his life. Um, but we still have that strained relationship because I feel disappointed, you know, that I failed. And that's where it mm-hmm. was, you know, seeing him was going from a young kid to where is, you know, you're guiding him. And then they start branching out and you're like trying to reel them back in, try to reel them back in. They're bullshit. You're bullshit now. And then from there, you know, seeing them, I seen one of his friends get knocked out one time by some dude who was like five, two, and it was some old man. And I guess they owed him like 20 bucks, just getting their ass whooped. And I was just like, you, you realize like 20 fucking dollars, like, and he's all, do you have money? I didn't have no money at the time, you know? So I was just like, I'm not fucking helping you. I ain't got that yeah. either. But anyway, like. Do you see what the fuck's happening here? Like $20 is why you're getting your ass beat to where he didn't even fucking want to get up after. And I'm like, so this is the shit we're going to be doing. He just looked at me, you know, all butthurt. Um, and again, you know, internalized it that different way where he was like, oh, you let me get my ass kicked. You're not family no more. And I was just like, nah, brother, like you're walking down these paths. I'm telling you, no, I'm going to let you fucking, fucking do it if you deserve it because you're never mm-hmm. going to fucking get it, you know? And, um, that was one of those things where he got kicked out of school. He's telling me all this shit, you know, and all my friends were getting kicked out of school. One of my boys stole fucking a cop car or excuse me, two cop cars. Cause he thought that shit was funny. And what was funny is he was like, um, I asked him, Hey brother, why did you do it? And he goes, Oh, because I can. And he's like, I'm white, you know, I'll get away with it. And that was what was crazy to me was the most hood dude I knew was white dude. And he just had no regard. Didn't give a shit. You know, his parents, um, his mom was like a Christian turned her life around Dad used to be a drug addict, but now it's like going through it. And it was tough, you know, seeing him talking to him and he's talking about his life and he just didn't give a shit. You know, it was crazy motherfucker. And I met up with him, you know, at a party a couple of years later when I was all fucked up. And um, it was cool, you know, seeing him again. But it was like, damn, dude, like you're fucking crazy. Like what made you yeah. want to do it? You know, so when you're talking and you're saying all these things, you know, I really appreciate just the authenticity of it. You know, like you're saying. You can guide them, use the ACE acronym to be able to help you. Uh, but other than that, brother, what would you say, you know, is a main thing today that men struggle with that we can easily fix? Uh, again, segueing right into this conversation about that guy, uh, you know, going back to those choices I was talking about, uh, you know, I deal with uh, when I'm when I'm coaching men that have been locked up and they're coming out and they're trying to get back in their families and they're trying to get their life together. It's, you know, karmic debt has a lot to do with this. You know, you got to stop doing wrong things. You got to stop doing dirt and stop building up that bad karmic debt because it always comes back. I know so many people that think that they're going to be the one person to beat the streets. You know, and I always tell kids like you can't take that gun with you to prison. You know what I mean? You think it's funny still in cop cars and telling these stories till that gate slams behind your ass and you're not going home anymore. You know? Uh, I had a young man that uh, I was mentoring a while back and he got caught with the gun and at school and they were going to give him like a year per bullet. And I think he had like 15 bullets or something like that. So I handed him 15 calendars and he said, what's this? And I said, that's 15 years of your life, bro. That's 15 birthdays. That's 15 Christmases. I said, you're not about that life. 
you better cut that shit out. You know what I mean? He told me he was getting bullied, but I told him, you know, you've seen that in the news just this past week. That's not the answer, you know, like, because there's a consequence for that and you can't take that gun to prison with you. You know, the sad part is, is he still kept trying to fit in and uh, he overdosed on fentanyl last year. And, uh, you know, he ended up dying from that because he I'm sorry to hear about people. that. And then it's it, that's the thing that I like. It's people that won't own their shit. You know what I mean? When you know better, you do better. But there's so many people that want to constantly make excuses for themselves, especially men. You know, like I say, we hide behind all these facades. You know, I'm just I'm too hard for that or that's not what we do or I don't give a fuck or, you know, that's one of the that that slogan right there that I don't give a fuck probably has more people in prison and dead. But what does it really mean when we unpack it? You don't give a fuck about yourself. And what I really do when I sit down and talk to people is like, let's get to the bottom of why you feel like your life is disposable. Because it's not. You know what I mean? You're a, you're a, you're a valuable person. You know, God has you here for a reason. And sometimes you got to learn it the hard way. I hope it doesn't kill you. And I hope you don't have to jeopardize your your well-being. You know, I had a, a young friend that we went into prison really early and he was a little guy. Green eyes, not about that life. You know, and when he got there, uh, it wasn't good for him. You know, he was getting a lot of, he couldn't even keep his stuff to write home. They were taking his shoes and my heart just went out to the guy, you know. And so he was sitting around crying about it a lot. And the guy told him, hey, you know, this, that's not what we do here. I'm going to put you on a program. You're going to get yourself on a program. I'm going to put you on one. He kind of punked him into like getting his shit together, you know. So he did this guy solid. He turned out to be a really good dude. You know, he got his life together. He started lifting. He, uh, I think he got a degree. But when it came time at the end of it and the guy said, hey, you owe me a favor now, you know. And he said, remember, I helped you when you were down. Well, shit ain't free in here, you know. And he did him that favor. And that favor landed him in there for 10 more years. So did he win on that? You know, and I, I just think, like, if you could be honest with yourself, it doesn't take somebody else to check you like that. The sooner you do it. The sooner, the sooner you, you'll understand, you know, I used to have a, a teacher that used to tell me, Hey, I heard a loud pop today. Did you pull your head out of your ass? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but that's really it with a lot of kids. You know, I have a kid who works his ass off and the first thing he bought is a $500 Gucci belt and he still wears his pants around his knees, you know? And it's like when parents teach or a coach, anybody that tries to give it to a kid, it's never really from a caring place where I can help you understand. It's usually to shame you or to make myself feel better or just real cliche. Like I give you these three words and you're just supposed to get it. But, you know, it's it's up to me as an older older uncle or whatever, an OG and stuff like that to come back and say, hey, what would you do with that? Do you get it? You need me to refresh it for you? You know, maybe you need it beat into you. Maybe you're that guy that you need your ass beat. I'll beat your ass, but I'll do it with love. You know, and and then I'll help you up and I'll help you get forward with it. But I think a lot of these things about being a comprehensive man, there's it's like a pie with different sections. And it's never just one thing. And I feel like the more we have these conversations like you and I are having now Mm -hmm. about what it beats to be a man, what are the what are the things in the minority community that are really going on? Because we're blaming it on police. We're blaming on a lot of other stuff. But we have a lot of toxic uh, generational shit that we teach. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Uh, beating our kids' asses to prove a point. You know, like uh, one thing I hate right now that's a trend is people shaming their kids on 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 Facebook when they get in trouble, shaving their heads or beating their ass that, really, that really bad. Me. You know what I mean? It's like that kid's going to hate you. And they're little now, but you're going to see what happens when they turn 18 and 19. You're not going to have a good relationship with them. 
and they're going to put you through some shit. So that's what I do is I go into families and I have these real conversations like, let me teach you how to communicate with your children in a healthy way. I know you were raised this way. Let's have a conversation to say this isn't right. So when all the stuff with George Floyd happened, I was trying to mediate a lot of this stuff. I went into three different meetings that they were having between communities and cops. It's awesome. But I couldn't get the people from our community to stop using those triggering words. You know what I mean? Like pig and like white supremacist and stuff like that. Like there's places where that's true, but it's not true all across the board, you know? And that's what I said. Like we have to take responsibility for our kids. What are we turning these kids out to? You know, I tell my kid to have manners, but then I go get in a road rage with some guy or I tell the lady at the store to fucking kiss my ass or whatever. My kids see that, you know? Mm-hmm. And more is caught than taught. You know what I mean? It's like, go. that's how you learn family. Family is, that's what, that's just what we do. You hear that all the time. That's just what we do, but that doesn't make it okay. And I'm not judging anybody. I just want to get in and say, you know what? There's some conversations that we need to have. And there's some things that we need to own in order to push forward as, as a community. You know what I mean? And, and that, that's really what's going to keep people from getting killed and getting on drugs in our community is the older people stepping up and setting the example and saying, I fucked up. I'm sorry. You know, what, what, what can I teach you from here? How can I help you? How can I support you? You know, when you, when you need somebody, I'll come and have lunch with you at school. Or, you know, if you need somebody to talk, you can call me up. I've had kids call me at two in the morning saying I'm getting chased. There's people that are going to kill me. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go help this kid. Do I take my gun or, you know, cause I'm not going to end up in a situation for this kid, you know? And so it's like, when you want to help, there's so much going wrong that you can't really figure out where to start. But I think communicating and having honest conversations that are transparent and just being real, like who who can't relate to being real? You know, I hate when they bring people in from outside of the community to fix the community because they don't relate. They don't know how bad it is, you know, and uh, they don't really have the solution. It's not money. You can't just dump money in the hood and think that that's going to fix everything. I've seen so many corrupt people where that money never even touches the people that it was meant for. Yeah. You know, so I I just think like for for men, especially minority men, stuff like that, we have to learn to confront those demons. And that's what I want my organization level, the Kings to be, is just a community where where guys are fighting every day. You know, I feel like giving up, but I know people are out there. You know, Lundis is out there trying to level up. So I got to level up because I got to I got to hold up my end of the bargain. What does that mean? That means fathering my kids right so he can father his kids right. And they can be, you know, and that's how we grow. We got this place by doing the opposite of that with our kids. There you go. So now that is guys like you and me, where we've seen both sides of the spectrum to say, hey, I have something to offer you through my experience. I've seen the good and I've seen the bad. I've learned what works and I've learned what wasn't working. And the one thing I learned is there's no easy way and there's no shortcuts in this thing. The only way to go through it is to grow through it. And the only way out is through it. So, you know, men like you and I are needed and stuff like that, you know, like, uh, just to set the tone where people don't even have to ask anymore. You know, they just look up and they say, Oh, that's what we do. Okay. Absolutely. Level up. I I appreciate that. And the, what's funny and and why I tried to jump in real quick. um, I went through that. And one of the things is I moved to a new school, you know, it's predominantly white. I learned early on there, you know, I'm trying to talk to people, texting girls, none of the shit was working. And I'm like, why? It was the way I talked, used a lot of slang, Said a lot of things. They had no fucking clue what I was talking about half the time. And then from there, you know, started getting educated, started actually learning, you know, how to talk to people, articulate, went back to my old friends. They're like, why are you talking white now? 
And I was confused. I was like, what are you talking about? And I told one of my boys that one day, he's like, that's the problem with society today is we're so used to these norms. You know, we're so used to that. So when somebody becomes educated, some people's first reaction is to say something negative on it because they can't compete. You know, they don't know what to say. And maybe that, you know, maybe other things. Um, but from there, you know, for me realizing it was for a big part of time, you know, was, hey, go off that door. I'm respectful. You know, go out that door. Always respectful to everybody else. But I'd be with my friends, you know, talking completely different. And then from there, you know, putting that hat on, going back inside and acting, you know, cordial with my parents. So they didn't know that side of me. And then from there, you know, eventually took me to those situations to where I got in the military, was still doing the same shit, still hanging out with people, still drinking about a fight, still hanging out with, you know, some other gangster dudes that I was like, oh yeah, they're cool. You know, and it was just like, why are we always getting in fights? What is somebody looked at you? What is it? You know? And it was just one of those things with me where it was like, I moved out of my environment, got out of Fresno. Um, to this day, I still don't like going over there. It's just a lot of bad memories, but two, it's tough because it just, I feel like it just sinks in and reality, you know, and you start seeing mm-hmm. things differently from where you're at now and it, and it hits you, you know, cause you're like, fuck, I really did this, but I want to help more people, you know? So for me, that's one of my things, you know, is it sinks in and it gives me that reality check every single time. So I know, you know, where I came from, who I am now, you know, it's not the same for everybody. Our job is to just to guide them there. So that's why I appreciate you brother. And I really wanted to jam with you. Um, Cause we can be able to speak that, like you said, transparency is key. We talked about it. You know, we talked about those strategies to get better. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about brother is just from your perspective as a dad, you know, how did that help you with your kids when you seen certain things that, you know, you were brought up on, you needed an update or you seen other things that it was like, Hey, this isn't working out for me. You know, uh, with my oldest son, I did the drill sergeant thing. I was his football coach. Like, that's one thing I will tell dads. If any dads are listening out there and you're thinking about coaching your kids, my advice to you, unless you were a college star or somebody real significant, don't do it. Let another man have his place with your kid because what I learned is there's nothing worse than going home with the coach. You never stop being the coach, and the kid needs a break from that. You know, like – that's another thing that we, that we do in, in, in our community, too, is we try to, like, live through our kids. I know a lot of people that try to one-up each other by the colleges they send their kids through, and we get together, and it's almost, like, nauseating sometimes because it's just, like, it's just people bragging on their kids, and I'm like, can't we just hang out? Like, why what's with, why are we trying to validate each other through our kids? And you put that, your kids feel that pressure, you know? And so it's just like, uh, I didn't learn this till you know, uh, probably maybe about seven years ago, but stop treating your kids like they belong to you, like they're yours. They're still just individual people. And anytime you think that they belong to you, you put these expectations on them to where they have to live up to the, don't get me wrong. You have to set boundaries and have rules for your kids, but putting these standards and expectations on them that really don't benefit them. A lot of time people are just concerned about what other people think about them. You know, it's just mostly to kind of prove something to other people, which is a really dumb reason. Mm -hmm. But it's like with my sons now, I just try to act more like their older brother than I really do their dad. I mean, it never goes away. They don't like when I say stuff like that. They're like, no, you're my dad. And I'm like, I get it. But the mentality that I have to come at now is like, I don't want to be the one to tell you what to do. Like, I know there's going to come a day when they're going to lose a job or they're going to get divorced or their kids are going to be acting up, you know, and I hope their kids put them through the shit that they put me through. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, that's when they need the dad to come in and say, you know what, son, this is, I can't tell you what to do here, but the answer is the same as always. Don't give up. 
you know, and that's awesome. Uh, you got to look inside yourself and see who you are as a man. There's no one answer to everything because all kids are different. There's different seasons to being a man. I just had a discussion with someone about if it's cool to let your kids struggle. You know, it's and a, a lot one. of people Ooh. have real definitive answers, but I'm like, yes, we have to <laughs> put that in context. What kind of struggles are we talking about? Are we talking about doing, you know, going and picking up the trash you threw over the fence instead of putting it in the dumpster or are we talking about facing life in prison? You know, it's that's true. So yeah, that's that's where I really want to get in and tell people like if we're going to communicate that we have to unpack exactly what we're saying and stuff like that, because there's a lot of people in our generation. We're so social media minded and stuff like that. Everybody likes these cliche sayings, but if they don't push the needle forward, if they don't help that person in a significant way, then it's just kind of a lot of noise, you know. No, and so like with dads, I think be gracious with yourself as a dad. Don't ever feel like you have all the answers. Don't feel like you deserve it. And, you know, uh, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. It's your time in. They want your presence more than they need your presence. You know, and uh, it's not about spoiling them. It's not about giving them things. You want them to learn to do things for themselves that they should be able to do. But they should always feel like you love them no matter what decisions they make. They should feel like if they make a bad decision and stuff like that, I always have a family to fall back on. Because I know a lot of people who take their love away from their kids because they disappoint them. That That's deep, brother. And what's funny is, and I was actually, you know, going away from this portion of it. So I appreciate you bringing me to what I really needed to say. But I went through that. That was my dad where fucking wrestling, football, screaming from the stands. And it's cool, but it sucks when it's like every fucking play. Come on. What kind of shit is this? What the fuck are you doing? To, you know, wrestling to where he'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I would get so mad that I would get frustrated, start crying. Why the fuck are you crying? What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, you know what I mean? Like either smack me back in the head or fucking start telling me shit in my ear, you know? And I'm like, bruh. And there was one time where that happened, you know, is where I had um, a wrestling tournament for my school. My coach said, hey, everybody's going to be here. You know, you need to help out. I told him, hey, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to be able to help this weekend. My dad's coming. He's going to be like, get your shit. Let's go. And um, he was like, nope, your dad can come talk to me first. Right. So I ended up losing. And fucking all I heard was like, oh, here you go again, bitching out. You fucking suck. And just laying into me, you know, just telling me all these things. And um, that was where, you know, as I thought, I'm going to turn around. I have to stand up for myself because my whole team's watching, you know, and everybody's Mm -hmm. saying that. So I'm like, well, you can shut the fuck up because I don't really care. You know, and I was just like, I'm the one who lost, not you. You know, and again, it was that living through you, pushing you. So it did, you know, it did help me in those constructive ways to where I had, I was two steps ahead, you know, in the way I developed my plans, even preached them to people, you know, as sometimes I will, I used to wait it out and now I'm not, you know, I just laid out clear and black and white. You can see what's going on. And then from there we can move forward, you know, but back then I was strategizing, creating those plans where it was saying, you know, exactly what. So in that case, you know, I was fucking ready. And then um, I'm walking away and um, the way it was is like you exit the, the gym, you take a left and that's where the wrestling room was. So it was like a completely other room. And then in there, there's a locker room. All my stuff was in there. So I'm walking over there. My dad's like, you better not ever fucking talk to me like that again. And then he's like, where are you going? He tried to grab me. And I was just like, I'm going to the wrestling room to get my shit. So I go over there, we get in the car again. Wah, 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 just going. And then um, I ended up looking at the floor and there's a piece of gum, you know, and I grabbed it. And I'm like, oh, you have gum on the floor. And I threw it out. And he was just looked at me like, what the fuck? You know, and from there that, that broke the conversation. But what I learned there, you know, was just 
diverting it. And then two, you know, is eventually that didn't happen. You know, he ended up not going to any of my wrestling tournaments later on because I told him I'd do better without him. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that was one thing that hurt him, but it helped me, you know, as in that case, I took an ass chewing well. So when I got in the Marine Corps and I was going through that shit, you know, you're a piece of shit. I've easy. already heard it before, you know. Same here. Marines <laughs> so, was worse. Let me get you yeah. on. We shared a chow hall with the Marines. When I was time in the Navy, I thought I should have went in the Marines. That's what I needed. They just gave me more opportunity to get in trouble. No, that's <laughs> that's exactly what it was. And it was funny because um, on deployment, one of my boys, and I love him to death now, but I was fucking just pissed back then, was um, he just grew up different. He was real sensitive, you know, and it was like certain shit took things to heart. And the problem with him was he wasn't taught the right way. And no one was teaching him the right way. They were just telling me you're fucked up. So from there, you know, I had to learn my way and then teach him how to compete, you know, how to do it the correct way, because what he learned was flawed and outdated, right? So with me and him, we almost got in a fist fight one day because I was just like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I didn't realize, you know, it was, it's that gap. And then two, you know, was yeah. our boss was the instigator stirring the pot. She's over here like, you guys fucking suck. And and with me, you know, before I went on a promotion board one time um, for an hour and a half, dude, she's laying into me, you fucking suck, blah, blah, blah. And then we go in this promotion panel and it was funny, one of the gunnery sergeants looked at me and she looked at me when she seen him because he was one of those that every time this dude seen me, fucking checked me on the spot, just always making sure I'm in my A game, you know, and I was like, why the fuck does this guy hate me so much? Like, what is it, you know? And we're sitting there at the board, you know, you have uh, the sergeant majors, mass sergeants, master guns there, and um, they look at me and this gunnery sergeant's like, all right, Havens, what are you going to do when you get promoted? And my boss looked at me and is like, don't fucking say it, you know, don't say something smart. And I'm like, nothing. I'm not doing anything different than when I get promoted because I'm currently doing it right now. I bust my ass every single day, helping everybody to my utmost ability. So when you try to That's ask me, answer. what am I going to do differently? I'm not doing anything differently because I already established the norm. And she just fucking looks at me. They all start cracking up, you know, and it was one of those where we got out and a deployment. They asked him like, hey, why are you always in my shit? And he was just like, no, I see greatness in you. You know, in my case, yep. we were both very similar. And um, it helped me with my dad, you know, chewing my ass for later on for situations like that. But, you know, at the same time, that was one of those things that I learned was I don't do I do well under pressure. But sometimes when it's things like that, where, you know, it's things we can't control. And for me, um, I always, you know, was good in sports. I would get competitive and then I would make that jump. And then again, you know, start going through it, getting your ass kicked and you're trying to work your way up. You know, my dad was a superstar all the time. So what I really thought about it was I don't live up to his expectation. Honestly, I don't live up to mine, but it made me push myself so much more because I was like, I don't want to hear him in my ear. Unfortunately, you know, I never lived up to it, but that was my great learning point was like, hey, don't fucking chew me out because I start getting yeah. pissed, you know, and I can take the ass chewing. But in that case, you know, like you said, when the parents are doing that drill sergeant, they lose a match, like you fucking suck. And it's just demotivating. You know, sometimes the kids are just like, I don't want to deal with it. For me, it was just like I hated my dad because I was just like, I got to hear him all the time. On the way two hours to the football game, on the way back, I quit football. He just laid into me. And I was just like, oh, you know, well, I, I quit it for another reason, but I didn't tell him. So he was thinking, like, I just didn't want to play anymore and just fucking laying into me. So I appreciate you, brother, taking the time today um, to be, really come on. We can dive deep, get personal. But last thing I'm going to yeah, say can here. I, can, I just, can I just respond to that real quick? Uh, just for a lesson as a, for a dad, you know, yes, like uh, where he did himself a disservice is he tried to t- he wanted you to respect him, but he disrespected you. And and that and that came at the detriment of your relationship, you know. So like, if if you can't differentiate between coach and dad, 
you know, you don't you, you like even with your stepdad and your dad, you always have a conflicting self-identity, you know, and that's good that you were able exactly. to channel it into the Marines because that's all military guys are always testing your metal, you know. And so, like, that's what I want, like, guys to understand on one hand, like, that that hard ass is sometimes needed, but don't do it at the relationship of, of, of your or at the expense of your relationship with your kids. But uh, also learn how to how to go through some get comfortable being uncomfortable because it, it is going to come. And the sooner like I'm, I'm glad that you were able to extract the growth out of that and turn it in to something meaningful. And thank you for your service, too, brother, by the way. I meant to tell you that earlier. I appreciate you. Thank you as well, brother, for your service. But, yeah, it was one of those things. It took years. You know, I'm not saying it was fucking overnight. Not at all. It took years. It still fucked up the way I thought about myself. You know, to this day, I'm highly competitive. I walk in the room and I'm just like, you're not going to beat me. I don't care what it is. You know, and it trained me to build that mindset and develop it. But that growth to get there was tough, you know, because you still have that. I still, you know, I got a nose piercing. And my fear is, you know, somebody's going to say something. You're gay. And it's not even that. I just fucking wanted a nose piercing because I never had it before. And the stigma mm -hmm. with it, you know, with where we come from is people are going to say some shit, you know. Um, so yeah. it's kind of for me, it's all those things. I got a Rolling Stones tattoo from my grandpa. And from there, you know, I literally, you know, had a panic attack that night with my wife because I already started thinking shit. And um, oh, went into my job. Too. Yeah. I used to do that, to do that a lot. Yeah. My so, solution to that was to tell people your opinion matters, just not to me. <laughs> well, that's that's what kind of did, you know, is my wife's definitely like told me and I was just like, well, people are going to say shit. She's like, people are going to say it regardless. And it was cool. You know, having that was initially I thought it and then I was just like, oh, shit. My fear was is just that racist comment, you know, is you're black. And I'm like, actually, I'm half black, half Mexican. Okay, well, you're that and you have that on you, you know, and don't get me wrong. When the time came, I was prepared for it, you know, and um, mm -hmm. I was happy. But those are those things, you know, we don't think about. It's just the shit that we stay into, you know, kind of like the don't wear the do rag outside because you're going to get pressed type deal. It's yeah. yeah, don't do that, you know, from where we're from. But we get stuck with these little um, mindsets, paradigms, whatever we want to call them, you know, to where it's like we fixulate it, we get stuck in that box. And then when we try to remove ourselves from that box, or in our case, you know, I know I've run into it a lot is I really got to focus on myself. Because when I feel like I'm talking to somebody who completely can't, can't relate, my initial reaction is to get pissed and be like, well, fuck this person. Because yeah. they don't understand me, you know, and again, it's not that it's just I'm getting frustrated because the way they view life, you know, their experiences put them at a different level. They view it completely different than the way, you know, we've been through the shit we came through. So when people start saying certain things and we feel it's ignorant, you know, that's where we have to reevaluate ourselves, you know, and really take in, you know, what does respect mean to me? And two, you know, how am I going to react? So with me, again, I was a hothead and I would just be like, well, what are you talking about? And get in someone's face because I thought that was the right way. And then when I looked into it, I didn't have much people surrounding me because I couldn't be in the room with anybody because, again, I was getting cocky and, you know, thinking it was my time to be Jesus, start checking people. And then it was one of those where it was <laughs> like, I wasted I all relate. this fucking totally. time. Yeah, I wasted all this time, all this effort, you know, so... <laughs> You know, and, and it, it, it took me a long time to detox from the military because on one hand, I had never been part of something that was bigger than myself. I mean, if you want to say a gang, but not really, you know, right? I, I had friends and I put my life on the line for my friends a lot. And I learned the hard way that that wasn't the way to go. But then once I was part of the military and I was part of something bigger than myself, we're programmed, you know, like for me, it was all about the ship that I was on. We had to know everything about how to stop flooding, how to put out fires, all the equipment and stuff like that. Then I was in damage control. So that stayed with me. Even after I got out of the military, I was damage control awesome. in my family. 
you know, and all this type of stuff. But that doesn't play out in real life. That's why a lot of people have a hard time coming back into their families after the military because you're institutionalized, just like somebody who was in prison. Absolutely. You apply the military to everything and then it's about you it's hard to be an individual. Military's not built for individuals or for unique people. You told the line. And so and so like I say, there's a time and a place for everything. I love my time in the military. I wouldn't be the man I was without it. I I had nothing else going for me. But there also comes a time to where it's like you extract the growth from that and you leave the stuff that doesn't serve your family behind because your wife is the most important. Your kids don't want to hear about your military experience. Yeah, teach them to be squared away and, and to live their life organized and stuff like that. But I will tell every dad out there that barking at your kids and being a drill sergeant is just going to it's going to come back on your relationship when they get old enough to speak up for themselves. I 100% agree with you there, brother. And um, yeah, I went through the same thing where, like you said, you're institutionalized. I came back from deployment. I didn't know how to function. Why? Because it was so fast paced and so fucking stressed out that when I mm-hmm. looked into it, I was drinking six to 12 cups of coffee a day just to stay sane because it was just so stress environment. Everybody was flipping shit for everything that my initial reaction was to start screaming because again, you know, it's the environment. And um, when I got home, I didn't know how to chill. You know, I was always doing something, freaking out, yelling at people. And I really had to take a lot of time. And luckily, you know, my wife came in the picture a year later, you know, was able to calm me down and be like, hey, you're good. You know, you're going to be okay. Let's use some words. And I'm like, well, fuck this, fuck <laughs> that. You're like, let's use some better words that are more describing of how you're feeling. You know, so from there. That's great. That's she's great. definitely she's a good helping. Woman. Yeah. She helped me do it, but for me, it was it was tough. You know, as I was battling that, picked up another drinking problem, and from there, you know, it's like I'm not the problem; you're the problem. I just like to party, and it was really what did I what did I do last night? Well, I don't remember. What did I drink? I don't remember. You know, um, and then looking, I'm like, oh, this is a gallon of whiskey. You drank it? No shit. I guess I drank the gallon of whiskey. You know, so yeah. I appreciate you, brother, um, and everything you do. Last thing here, you know, where could everybody find you if somebody wants to talk to you, brother, be able to get to know you on a personal level, needs any guidance? You know, what would you um, how the, how would be the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, as of right now, probably on Instagram. It's uh, leveled up kings leveled uh, L-E-V-E-L-E-D up kings with an S. And um, as you know, I'm working on my podcast. I want to get that up and running. And I'd love to have you come on and do the same. Yes, Tell sir. your story on my podcast and stuff. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with that thing too, like struggling with what other people think. I get uh, that that low self-esteem thing sometimes where I'm like, why do people want to hear what I have to say? But lately, I have really been uh, trying to give, not to give so much advice, but just sharing my real true experience and just letting people hear that. That seems to have the the most effect on people is just being, you know, coming from the heart, not the head. So yeah, Leveled Up Kings is coming as a podcast and hopefully as an entire community there you go. for people to just come and, and, and find a place where they need to, if you need accountability, if you need support, if you just need other men to stand shoulder to shoulder and fight with, that's what I'm hoping to have. And I'm hoping to have a lot of dads on there and stuff like that, you know, hopefully even a million man march sometime where we can all come together and say, we're going to create a better future for these kids. Hell yeah, brother. That's that's empowering right there. And that's why, you know, when when we started talking in that Zoom call, you know, it clicked for me. And I was like, I got to be able to interview because we can be able to add so much value to people. And two, you know, you're already working on your podcast. Um, I'm going to be here, brother. I can help you any day if you need anything. 
But um, that's one of the things, you know, is we band together, like you said, so we can make sure that our kids live better than us. That's the key, you know, is to be able to learn, reflect from it. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today, brother. I love the conversation. Yes, um, we'll probably each one, have to, each one. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to get you back on later on so we can be able to talk at, you know, how the podcast is going. But it was a pleasure, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It was a pleasure being with you. Yep. Thank y'all for tuning in. I really appreciate y'all. This podcast has helped you in any way. If it's gave you those tools to get to the next level, if you learn something new, maybe if you just like it and hearing the conversation, please refer us to a friend. Drop that five-star rating below and write that honest review so you can be able to let us know how this podcast has helped you and what you're doing to get to the next level. Now, the next thing here is I'm rolling out some new tools to help you guys get to the next level. Some products I use myself. Um, first thing is going to be Podcast Power Moves Academy, Podcast Power Train. My man Zach Babcock is a wizard in this podcasting game, real genius in his craft when it comes down to fielding a dominant brand in 14 days or less. You're going to want to hit up Podcast Power Train, um, Podcast Power Moves Academy. Now, if you're looking to gain more clients, gain more passive income for your business, you're going to want to hit up Urban Astronauts. My man Aaron Davis is a genius when it comes down to lead generation and passive income. So definitely check them out if you want to make some money. Now, if you're a podcaster who's struggling to book and schedule guests on your podcast, you're going to want to check out Podmatch. Podmatch brings you that one-stop shop so you can be able to schedule getting people on your podcast as well as going on others. Definitely a great source I just started using. Please check that out. Now, if you're interested in plant-based medicine, but you don't know where to start, you don't know what's going to work for you, you're going to want to call Rafa 180. Their CBD products are amazing, and what they're going to be able to do is talk with you on the phone and direct you into what product is best for you, so definitely check them out, Rafa 180. Now, if you're looking for video content or laser engraving, you're going to want to hit up my man, Eric Allen. He's going to knock your socks off. His work is tremendous. His email is in the description. Email him. Let him know that Alunda sent you on your way for your video content or laser engravings. Now, this last business we're promoting, they're doing a little bit of everything, and that's why we're being able to promote them as well. It's an honor. So if you need any help with credit repair, business credit, life insurance, 401k rollovers, small business consulting, tax services, retirement planning, immigration services, business funding, Financial literacy classes, A-plus financial solutions is for you. They're going to be able to help you out with whatever needs you have and set you up for success to get to that next level. Now, as always, you can contact me, thewinnersparadigm.xyz slash contact. That's where you're going to be able to fill out my little questionnaire on something brief that you need. If it's a question, we can be able to talk about your problem. If it's networking, I can direct you into my network on people that are gonna help you what you're looking for. This is the winner's paradigm. This is all about getting to that next motherfucking level, recalibrating your mindset so you can determine, you can achieve that level of success you always dreamed of. This is the winner's paradigm. I am your host, Lundis Havens. Thank y'all for tuning in. Peace.